0: God, we thank you for the beauty of tonight. God, thank you for a chance for us to remember and celebrate the birth of King Jesus. God, I pray that through your word, God, that you would flood our hearts with awe tonight. God, I pray that with all of the busyness of the season and this week, and God, even thinking about the roads as we leave tonight and parties to go to and celebrations to be had, God, I pray that you would help us to focus on the God-man Jesus who came, who lived a sinless life, who died in the place of sinners. And I pray that wonder would fill our hearts tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, like many of you in my household during this time, we usually have this debate uh, between what is the best Christmas movie. And uh, for us, like I'm always on the side of, of like Home Alone, even like Elf might be, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it might be a number two. I appreciate a good fist pump in my sermons. That really encourages me. So I'm on that side of things. And, uh, and Lindsay, my wife, likes to debate uh, between what the best Christmas movie is. So I'm curious for you tonight, like what is the best Christmas movie of all time in your mind? Now, instead of getting a couple hundred movie titles kind of yelled at me uh, over the next couple of seconds, I'm going to give you four movies And then I want you to vote tonight with raising your hand, which one is your favorite out of these four, okay? So let me list them first, and then we'll vote, okay? Number one is Elf, right? Elf has to be on that list. Number two, It's a Wonderful Life. Number three, Christmas Carol. And then number four, of course, Home Alone, okay? Elf, Christmas Carol, Wonderful Life, and Home Alone. You guys ready to vote? Ready? Okay. Show of hands. Thank you. Enthusiasm. All right. <laughs> Just wait till we get to Jesus and the gospel. All right. So raise your hand if you believe that elf is the fa- your favorite out of those four. Raise, raise them. All right. Good. All right. Number two, it's a wonderful life. Wow. Okay. Man, beating the elf right now. Okay. Number three, Christmas Carol. Okay. Okay. And then number four, Home Alone. Yes. Wow. A lot. Great, yes, I think Home Alone won. All right, let's move on. So so one of the four movies there, Christmas Carol, I just wanna talk about that for just a moment here. Um, Christmas Carol movie is like not in my top five list. Like I'll watch it if it's on TV, but it's not one of my favorite movies. But there is one scene that I find very fascinating. It's the scene in which uh, Ebenezer Scrooge just had that experience with the ghost of Christmas past. And Scrooge is obviously shaken up by that whole encounter, and he and he wakes up. And in that moment, when you're watching the movie, if you're like me, you're, you're wondering two questions. One, does Scrooge believe in what he just experienced is true? And number two, if he does believe that it's true, how should he live his life? Okay, those two questions, you're kind of wondering as he wakes up from that. And of course, if you've seen the movie, his response to that is, bah humbug. Like that wasn't even real. And then he kind of blames that whole experience on the the beef stew that he had uh, the night before. And he doesn't change his life. He doesn't change his life till later on in the movie. Now, the reason why I share that scene with you is really for two reasons. Number one, don't be Scrooge during the Christmas season. And number two, those two questions, the question of, is what you just experienced true? And how should you live your life Those two questions is exactly what Christmas is all about. That every year during Christmas, you and I are confronted with those questions as it relates to the birth of Jesus. Is the birth of Jesus actually true? And if it is true, how should we then live our lives? So those are the questions that I want us to wrestle with during our time together this evening. And so if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 1? John chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 9 through 14, at John's account of Jesus coming into the world. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, the word of God reads this way. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Of the Lord. So, two questions for us to consider tonight. Number one, who is Jesus from this text? And number two, why did Jesus come? Who is Jesus and why did he come? Let's start with number one, who is Jesus? Now, this first question is a really important question, especially during this time of year. That if you don't understand who Jesus is biblically and correctly, you're never going to understand the purpose and the point of Christmas. And so as we look at John chapter one, at John's version of Jesus coming in the form of flesh, you need to know that his vantage point and his telling of Jesus coming is much different than, than Matthew and Luke. See, with Matthew and Luke, you have a talk about the shepherds and the wise men and angels and the star and the manger. And yet when you read John chapter one, there's, there's none of that in here. It's kind of interesting when you you think about John's account of Jesus coming to earth, because when you read this, all you have is a bunch of metaphors related to who Jesus is. John describes Jesus as being the word, as being the life, as being the light. He uses these rich theological images to get at the meaning of Jesus coming in the form of man. It's almost like John can't quite comprehend what has taken place with the birth of Jesus. Like the eternal son of God, the king of kings, actually came in the form of a baby. And he has to use these metaphors to try to describe what has taken place. There was all kinds of, of descriptions about Jesus throughout this chapter, but I just want to highlight three descriptions about Jesus from John chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, to help us understand who Jesus is. Okay, three descriptions. Here's number one. John tells us that Jesus is the true light. Jesus is the true light. If you look at verse nine, John tells us that Jesus being the true light gives light to everyone and that he was coming into the world. This is a really interesting description by John that he gives about Jesus. What what does John mean by this? Well, John means that Jesus being the true light, he is the genuine and ultimate self-disclosure of God to man, that Jesus has come into the world in order to illuminate our understanding of what God is like. It's almost like if if you've ever walked into a room that's familiar, like you've been in that room before, but the lights are off, and you're trying to make out what's in that room, like you can probably make out the, the outline of the objects or items that's in that room. But it's not until the lights that are flipped on that you can see everything in full detail. So what was maybe blurry or, or the way that you're squinting your eyes, now you can see in almost, in almost full detail. Well, in the same way, in the Old Testament, the people of God could make out the outline of God. They could kind of see who God is and what he is like through the Old Covenant and through the law. So the people of God in the Old Testament had over 600 different commands to obey, to be in relationship with the Lord. And so they could see that and see kind of the outline of God, that God's holy, that God hates sin. And yet it wasn't until Jesus, when Jesus was born and that Jesus lived, when the lights were turned on about who God is and what he's actually like. See, we don't have to squint anymore trying to figure out what's God like? Because through the life of Jesus, we have God in almost HD. Like we can see what God is like exactly in the life of Jesus. And so if you wanna know what God is like, you just look at Jesus. And if you wanna know what Jesus is like, you read God's word. So John tells us that Jesus is the true light. He gives light to everyone because we now know what God is like. And so now we know who we are. And if we know who we are in light of who God is, then we understand our need for Jesus. Secondly, a second description to give you of who Jesus is, John tells us that Jesus came near to us. He's not just the true light, but he actually dwelt among us. If you look at verse 10, John tells us that even though Jesus made the world, he was in the world that he made. Verse 11, we learn that Jesus came to his own but was not received. And then, of course, verse 14, a very popular verse, the word referring to Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, it's important when you're trying to understand like who is Jesus, what is God like? We need to understand that we don't have a God that is distant. We don't have a God that is far off. We don't have a God who is standoffish from his people, but we have a God who is near. We have a God who is Emmanuel, who is God with us. Now, why is this important to know about God. It's important because out of all the ways that God could have shown us who he is and what he is like, he sent Jesus. Think about that for a moment. He sent Jesus. And like the crazy thing about Jesus coming is not just the fact that he was born as a baby, but I think it's in the fact that Jesus grew. And as he lived a sinless life, he experienced everything that you and I experience. He experienced all of the difficulties, all of the the temptations, and yet was without sin. Think about that. Like the son of God cried. The son of God felt hunger. The son of God felt frustration and hurt and disappointment, and yet was without sin. That his divinity did not override his humanity and the things that he experienced. Look, this is a powerful description of who God is because God looks at your life and he looks at it and he says, I know what that's like. God looks at what you're going through and he can relate to what we are going through. Look, if you're here tonight and you feel stressed out, God knows what that's like through Jesus. Because the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was so stressed out that he was sweating drops of blood. He knows what that's like. Look, if you're here tonight and you, you feel lonely or you feel misrepresented or misunderstood, look, Jesus knows exactly what that's like. If you're betrayed by someone close to you, Jesus knows what that's like in his relationship with Judas. Look, everything that we have experienced, God knows what it's like and he cares and he draws near to us so much that he took on flesh and he entered our mess. Number three, the third description of who God is that John gives us, who Jesus is, comes in verse 14 that Jesus is full of grace and truth, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus was all about grace. He welcomed sinners and tax collectors and ate with them. He had compassion on the crowds when they were hungry and far from home. He welcomed the little children to sit on his lap. Jesus healed the lepers, healed the lame. He healed the blind, even saved the criminal on the cross and and the criminal's last dying breath. And yet Jesus Jesus wasn't just all about grace, he was also about truth, that Jesus condemned many of the religious leaders of his day for being liars and hypocrites. He actually talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Jesus called all of his disciples to deny themselves and to take up their cross and follow him. Jesus obeyed the law. He set the standard and demanded everything from his followers, even their very lives. Look, Jesus was both full of truth and full of grace. And this is Jesus who came from the Father. All grace, all truth, all the time. And so if that's a little bit about Jesus, let's answer the question, why did he come? Why did Jesus, the eternal son of God, take on flesh. Well, John tells us here very clearly in verses 12 and 13 that Jesus came in order to make us his children. The whole point of why Jesus came, he came in order to adopt us who were objects of his wrath to be in his family. And look, to be a child of God means to be forgiven. It means to be loved. It means to be fully accepted. It means to be rescued from our sins. That God's son came and he was a human in order for us to understand where we have come from and for what reason we were separated and how we can be restored to God. The reason why Jesus came is that he became one of us so that we could become one of his. Look, the way that we become one of God's children is in verse 12. That John tells us the way that we are rescued, the way that we are restored and adopted is by receiving and believing in Jesus. Look what it means to believe in Jesus. It means to to take all that Jesus is, that Jesus was born of the virgin birth, the virgin Mary, that he lived a sinless, perfect life, that he got up on a cross and he died in the place of sinners that he absorbed all of the wrath that we were supposed to deserve. And yet he took our place. He paid our penalty. And yet three days later, he raised back to life. And now he offers eternal life for all who believe in Jesus, all who place their faith upon Jesus for their salvation, not faith in themselves, not faith in their own church attendance, not faith in their ability to do good works, but faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone. That's what it means to believe in Jesus and to receive Jesus as your King and as your Lord. Look, this is what Christmas is all about. That Christmas is God's promise that broken things can be made new again. Look, Advent is this it's this cosmic announcement that true and lasting hope is actually here. That baby born in that manger was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And look, the the question that you and I are confronted with every Christmas is where is your hope? Is your hope in things that are horizontal in your life, in your career, in relationships, in money, in your family, in all of these things that we find on earth, or is your hope vertical? Is your hope in the person and the work of Jesus who came to save you from your sins? Look, what do you trust in to to validate your existence? Is it this Jesus, the the God-man who came in the form of a baby? There's a story that I heard about a few years ago about a family who on Christmas Eve had a family tradition but the mother would take the children and they would go to church on the Christmas Eve service. And yet the father would would stay home and read the paper right in front of the fireplace. The father wasn't an evil man. He just couldn't believe in this Jesus who came in the form of a baby. So he would wait by the fireplace for his family to return. And yet this one time, as he's reading the paper and his family was at church, he suddenly heard tapping on the window and so he went and saw what was taking place at this window. In this glass window, he saw this bird who kept running into the window. This bird was, was trying to escape the cold and, and the snow. He was trying to get into the warmth of the house. And the man actually felt compassion for this bird. And so the man went outside and, and tried to bring that bird inside. And yet the closer he got to that bird, the more that the bird would kind of like fly away from the man and fly right into the window. And after a couple of times, the bird just kind of finally landed in the bushes in front of the window, and and the father went over to this bird, and and the bird was frantically trying to escape the father, and so the father just broke out in frustration, and he said, stupid bird, can't you understand that I'm trying to help? And the man paused and thought to himself, if only you understood, you wouldn't fly away. If if only I could become a bird and, and get you to understand. Just then the church bells rang as they always do on that hour, and yet when the man heard the bells this time he he fell on his knees and he cried out to God, saying, "Oh God, i didn't understand, I didn't understand, but now I do. See for that man, he finally understood the the true purpose of Christmas. See for the man, he finally thought to himself in, in the same way that that I thought that I needed to become a bird in order to help this other bird understand what it means to be rescued. Jesus had to become like one of me in order to help me understand what it means to be rescued. And like, that's, that's why he came. Jesus had to become one of us to help us understand what it means to be rescued. So look, the, the real power and amazement of Christmas, it's not in the in the gifts and the goodies. It's not in new toys and familiar traditions. It's not in family and friends. But what's at the heart of every Christmas and really what whispers to every soul is the most stunning and significant fact in all of history that God became one of us. The one who made everything, stepped into our world, became human, not just for show, but for salvation. And look, just revisiting this reality every year, like as a pastor, I think about Advent every year during this time. And yet what strikes me every year is not just that the fact that Jesus was born in a manger as a baby. It's not just that he lived a sinless life, experienced everything that we experienced. It's not just that he died on the cross for my sins, but what strikes me every year is that he did all of this in order to rescue us. Like the very people who sinned against him, the very people that that were his enemies, he came in order to rescue us from our sins. Like I know this isn't a very Christmasy type of thing to say tonight, but <clears throat> the reality is is that you needed rescuing. Like because of your sin, because you were unable to save yourself, you you needed Jesus, someone who was perfect and sinless, to come and to rescue you from your sin. That's why he came, so that he can adopt you into his family. Look, I know my own story. I know that I needed rescuing. I know know that without Jesus, I'd be a broken man. I'd be a man without hope. I'd be a man who is looking for satisfaction in all of the wrong places. And part of my story is that Jesus sought me. He came after me. He gave me the gift of faith. He wooed me to himself and led me to repent of my sins and trust in Jesus. And, and my story is that all I know is grace now. All I know is his love. All I know is that he accepts me into his family. And so look, if you're here tonight and, and you're not a Christian, and, and maybe you're just here and this is just something that you do, or, or maybe you go to church every single week and yet the reality that Jesus is king hasn't hit you, that you haven't placed your faith upon him, look, I just wanna plead with you tonight, don't leave this place without becoming a child of God and giving your life to King Jesus. Don't, don't be like Scrooge. who kind of explained away his experience and didn't allow that to change his life. Understand that Jesus' coming is true and that it demands your entire life. In just a moment, I'm going to, I'm just going to pray for us. And look, if you're here and and you wanna give your life to Jesus, I'm just gonna walk you through a very simple prayer. There's nothing there's special about this prayer. It's not some a special equation in the Greek in the New Testament, but it's just a prayer that, that symbolizes a heart that's crying out to God for salvation. And so if you're here and you have not given your life to Jesus, just want to encourage you just to repeat after me and just give your life to Jesus because he came, according to Matthew 1, he came in order to save his people from their sins. And so as you walk out of here tonight, and we're going to sing a couple more songs, I, I pray that, that your heart is captured with an awe for Jesus, that as Christmas go, comes and goes tomorrow, and as the new year comes and you experience kind of the holiday blues, that, that you can stay anchored in Jesus because Jesus is the Savior of your life. So let's pray together. Again, if you're here tonight and and you're not a Christian and you want to become a Christian, I'm just gonna walk through a prayer here. You can repeat after me. This is a prayer that I prayed years ago to receive Jesus. Went something like this. God, I thank you for your love for me. And God, on this Christmas Eve, I, I confess to you that I am a sinner against you. God, I am unable to save myself. And yet, God, thank you for sending Jesus who came and died on the cross for my sins. And God, I confess my sin to you and ask that you would forgive me of my sin. God, I place my faith and my trust upon you, Jesus, to to save me and I turn from my sin tonight. God, thank you for your love. Help me to love you more. Pray this in Jesus' name.